Hey there, special educator. Before we dive into today's episode, I have something exciting to share with you. If you've ever struggled with writing impact statements for your IEPs, and let's be honest here, what special educator hasn't found themselves at some point staring at a blank box and a blinking cursor wondering what in the world to type? My free guide is just what you need to get those brain juices flowing. Introducing Impact Statement Mastery, your step-by-step guide to writing personalized IEPs. This free guide is designed to help you craft impactful, personalized statements with ease. You'll get expert tips and strategies, easy-to-follow formats, and real-life examples that bring theory to life. It's absolutely free and a must-have for every special education teacher and related service provider. To get your copy, just visit www.spedprepacademy.com slash impact statements, or check the link in the episode description. Now let's get started with today's episode. You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Today we have a guest joining us, and we are going to talk about some back-to-school productivity hacks. I know some of us are already back in the swing of things here in the second week of August, but many of you are still a few weeks to a month out from thinking about back-to-school, but I wanted to go ahead and get this episode out so that you can mentally prepare for a new school year. As we know, the beginning of a school year can be both exciting and challenging because there's quite a bit to do to prepare in order to get your department and your classrooms up and running. And whether you are returning and whether you are a returning teacher or a brand new teacher, I know some of the productivity tips my guest and I share with you today will be of benefit to you. Our guest today is Io Jones. Io is an experienced special education teacher, successful instructional coach, and charismatic professional speaker. Driven by her love for all things special education, IO provides educators teaching students with complex access needs exactly what they need to survive and thrive. In her nearly 20 years in education, she has coached hundreds of teachers, trained thousands of educational professionals, and developed curriculum for tens of thousands of students with disabilities. She is a regular consultant to multiple school districts and educational support centers throughout Texas and beyond, as well as in West Africa, where she does outreach to underserved students. IO is the founder of Noodle Nook, an online resource for teachers in special education, providing tools and strategies for classroom success. She hosts a teacher podcast herself and a YouTube channel. She is a published author and course creator and delivers curriculum to teachers worldwide. Best known for her engaging public speaking, IO's captivating presence and witty delivery have made her a sought-after professional trainer and speaker. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to have a chat with IO Jones. So let's get to the show. Well, hello, Io. Welcome to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. I am so excited to be here. I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you. Before we get started, though, would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit about who you are and your journey within the field of special education? Sure. Uh, my name is Io Jones, and I started teaching in special ed back in 2005. <laughs> uh, so many things have changed since then, but not the love I have for supporting students with complex access needs and significant disabilities. Um, since 2015, I have worked with special ed teachers specifically as an instructional coach and trainer. I blog regularly at noodlenook.net, and I podcast a little less frequently at the noodlenook, but ultimately, I just want to help teachers feel like they are rocking it in the world of special ed. 
Well, it's really cool to come across another person who is an instructional coach and you've been doing it since 2015, you said? Yes. It's it's a long time. <laughs> I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I don't think they were as common as they're starting to be, but because I just moved into this position last year, so I've, this is my second year, but um, I feel like special education teachers have needed this role for so long and being able to support teachers is so rewarding to me. And I can tell that it is to you as well. Absolutely. And it's really interesting to see how the arc of instructional coaching and the arc of being a teacher in the classroom kind of take the same, you know, trajectory. So I I love it. Well, I wanted to have you on the show today because I saw that you had presented at the special education summit a week or so ago about productivity hacks. And I thought that that would be a great topic to focus on at the beginning of a school year when special education teachers are getting back into the classroom. And in I feel like I've been doing this for 28 years now, but I feel like every year I forget what I did the last year and, and, you know, the things that I made work and all of the struggles that I went through. But there are a lot of special education teachers who are new to the field. So I really want to talk about those product productivity hacks and how we can support teachers better this school year. So to kick things off, could you share one or two of the top productivity hacks that you have found that are particularly effective for special education teachers as they start a new school year? Yeah, you know, the start of the school year is always so tough. And my feet always forget how much walking there is to do. Uh, The summer vacation is definitely, uh, I need it. But when I come back, my feet are like killing me. But it's really hard because as teachers, you know, we're trying to get our rooms back in order. We're sitting through professional development that sometimes doesn't have anything to do with the needs in our own classrooms. And then we're trying to get our entire team up to speed with new students that will be sitting in our classes. So it's always a tough time of year. And I think there are really two things that can help at the beginning of the year when it comes to getting off on the right foot. And the first thing is to make sure you get your IEP paperwork in order. (laughs) You know, I worked with a paraeducator who was transitioning to a teacher position like 10 years ago, and she came to ask me if I thought she would be good in the position, if she should make the move. And quite honestly, I was coming off of a really bad day in the classroom, and I might have been a little too frank, but I told her that it's not the students. The students are the easiest part of the job. The hardest part of the job is keeping up with the paperwork. Point blank, you can drown under mounds of sped teacher paperwork, right? Right, So, (laughs) And I don't want anything like that to happen to your listeners. So really pay attention. At the beginning of the year, your number one task is to wrangle in all of your IEP paperwork so you're on top of it from the start. Now, for me, that meant a really good system of reading through the paperwork and pulling out the documentation and details that were essential. So I suggest doing that with an IEP at a glance form. I think those are the easiest things to use. And it's something that you can carry with you throughout the school year to kind of be your quick peek or quick reminder or quick share guide when you're working with other people in terms of making sure a student's needs are met. Um, I think it's really a great way to organize everything and kind of get yourself in the right frame of mind and set to go right at the beginning of the school year. Those are some good tips. I, I've always thought that the IEP at a glance was for general education teachers to give them a summary of the IEP, but it is just as much for us to, especially when we're getting those new files to, to dig through that file. And like you said, pull out that most essential information and just kind of have it all in one spot instead of having to dig back and forth throughout the whole file. So those are really good tips. Absolutely. And the other the other thing to remember here, too, is that, 
you know, our brains are only capable of holding on to so much information. So those IEP at a glance forms are definitely beneficial to gen ed and really helpful for our support team. But they are a lifesaver for us if we're if you're in a position where you're working with new kids in, in a school year can be a lifesaver. And it's for things like strengths and preferences and interests and objectives and goals. There's so much information there. You can't hold it all in your head. So so don't even try. <laughs> so you said special education teachers have so much on their plates and and it is the job is a lot. I mean, we can't deny that. It, it so special ed teachers often have diverse tasks to manage in in addition to all of the paperwork. So can you dive in just a little bit to some practical tips and or strategies that can help them prioritize and organize all of their responsibilities during the busy back to school period? Oh my goodness, there's so much. And you know what? Sad teachers, we are everything everywhere all at once, right? <laughs> there are so many teachers out there on Instagram and Facebook showing these fabulous pictures of their classrooms looking completely Pinterest perfect at the start of August. And let me tell you what, that was never me. Because <laughs> it is so hard to come back to your classroom. There's just so much going on, especially if your room is really empty and you're kind of having to start over or if you're starting with new support team members and you've got to get that collaboration and camaraderie and team building going it's just it can be a challenge so uh, it, to keep the overwhelm at bay i really suggest you keep a good comprehensive to-do list at hand at all time now digital tools can do that if that's what works best for you like a time management app which i like to have on my phone because i think it's easier to put my hands on as opposed to a clipboard or a paper pencil or a standard calendar. But the thing about this is, is that you just have to build a system of organization that's not going to let anything slip through the cracks, whether that's digital, whether that's paper, really, that's what it is. But that's only, I think, part of the question, because how you choose to organize yourself is really up to you. But the point here is, how do you prioritize the responsibilities? And what are you supposed to do first, right? That's kind of the bigger question. So right. as a coach, yeah, as a coach working with new teachers, I suggest these four things. First up is your basic classroom environment and not Pinterest perfect, okay? Not Pinterest perfect. Functionally friendly. <laughs> That's what we're targeting, functionally friendly. We want the students to feel safe and feel welcome and for your team to feel like they have a productive place to work. Second thing is to get your data sheets ready because data starts the first week of school, y'all. So you need to have those ready to go. So that is tip number two. The third thing is lessons for the first couple of weeks. When our students get idle time, sometimes that's when the chaos monster rears its ugly head. So we want to make sure that doesn't happen. And then the fourth thing is a rock solid list of routines and procedures that you are going to teach the first six weeks of school. Routines and procedures are going to make or break you. You are so right. I, I feel like we can't stress that enough that you can have the world's best lesson plans, but if you don't have your routines and procedures in place, then it, it doesn't matter. It's absolutely right. And you know what I think is funny is that your routines and procedures are not for your present day self, right? I mean, you're stressed and you're frazzled, but you, when you teach routines and procedures now, that is for your October self and your February self and your May mm -hmm. self when you are really needing it. So invest in it now. The first four to six weeks of school, you should be drilling routines and procedures all the time as much as possible because that is how you set up your structured learning environment. Oh, very well said. And I'm glad you mentioned that about the Pinterest classroom. My daughter is starting her first year as a special ed teacher this fall. And she that that's like been her biggest priority is making her room look really, 
really cute. And I, and I, I get it. She doesn't really know what else to expect at this point. But I told her, I said, you know, I started in a trailer outside of the regular building and that trailer had holes in the floor. It had, you know, leaky windows. You, you're just fine. Your environment is, is amazing. And you don't, it doesn't have to be just Pinterest perfect. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yes. Totally true. It was absolutely true. Functionally friendly. That's what we're shooting for. So on the topic of environment, creating an inclusive environment for special ed teachers, can you can you help provide some insight into how they can streamline that preparation process to ensure that they're ready to meet the individual needs of their students from day one? Yeah, I was just at a conference that was really focused in on inclusion and differentiation. And I love differentiation. <laughs> like I can literally talk about it all day long. <laughs> but here's what I see. Um, especially new teachers or teachers who are new to special ed doing over and over is that when it's time to differentiate, they divide all the students into groups and then go out and find completely separate things for each of those little groups to do, which are not necessarily related to the lesson objective at all, right? They're just trying to keep people busy instead of necessarily learning the lesson. And let me tell you, this is going to leave you in the world of never-ending lesson prep. If you are always at the copying machine trying to figure out, how am I here again? It is probably because you're not differentiating quite right. Because when differentiation is done right, it's more about the support that you are bringing to the students and the right accommodations that they're accessing so that they can make sense of the lesson in a meaningful way. And if you change your ideas of how to do inclusion and how to differentiate for students with special needs... It's really about the supports and the accommodations and not necessarily different activities and getting them separate from the group. So in order to get ready at the beginning of the school year, there are a couple of key essentials that I definitely think everybody should have. First up is visual supports. Now, the visual supports that you need will depend on your students, your grade level, the content that you teach. There's a lot going on there. But at the very least, you want to have some kind of visual schedule, some kind of visual to reinforce your routines and procedures. Because remember, that's like top of mind, right? Our routines and procedures. And then the third thing are some visual signals. And the visual signals, you know, visuals are not just about icons and pictures. Sometimes gestures are your visual signals. And what you're looking to do is establish a couple of visual signals that can help you control your classroom when things are getting a little bit distracted or out of hand or a student is a little unruly. So think about a hand up for waiting or a finger to quiet students down or um, a gesture that can help signal a student to get back on track. Those visuals supports are critical. The second thing is a communication system. For students with significant disabilities, you know, we're always struggling with communication. So if your student has a voice output device, a core board, an AAC unit, we want to make sure those are charged up and ready to go day one because that will save us behaviors in the back end. Third thing is graphic organizers. I think graphic graphic organizers are a really great way to organize thoughts and information and get students to the lesson as opposed to separating them from the lesson. So I use graphic organizers all the time. So really think about how you can use those and integrate those into your classroom. And then the last thing is to prep ahead for sensory needs and behavior tools. Those will depend on your students. But if your students need things like sensory dampening, and, and use uh, noise canceling headphones, or maybe they need sensory simulation and they need fidgets or um, tactile toys or tools to use. Those things you want to prep ahead of time. If you have behavior issues, get your calm down corner ready and your social story set so that you can manage behaviors in the classroom and get ahead of them before they get out of control. Yeah. So I feel like just being prepared, thinking through a lot of those things before the school year, before the kids ever show up is is very important. Yeah. 
yeah, you should look around and see that you have visuals in place, your students can communicate, you've got supports to have them uh, access the lesson, and then you've got those things in place for when the you-know-what hits the fan. (laughs) (laughs) Very well said. So another area that I feel special education teachers might struggle with is communicating and working with the parents of their students. And, you know, that collaboration with parents between between you and the parents is very important. So what are some innovative ways that special education teachers can leverage technology and communication tools to enhance collaboration and keep everybody on the same page? Yeah, absolutely. Collaboration is at the core of success in special ed. It really does take a team. It takes a village in order for our students to be successful. And I know so many people are so great at leveraging technology and communication tools, and they can really dive in and dial into those things. I've been at this a long time, though, and I have to tell you, I am definitely not a guru when it comes to technology and how to integrate all of those things into the classroom. But if you listen to some of those gurus, they're going to tell you, right? Classroom website, mm-hmm. Google Classroom, social media, make sure you're texting, send home a newsletter. Or do Wow. <laughs> Honestly, mm-hmm. there are so many ways to communicate and collaborate in these times that my most innovative tip is to pick one that's going to be the easiest for you to maintain, whatever that is. Pick the one that you like to be on the most or that is most convenient for you to access or that is best received by your students' families or your teaching team, pick it and do it. That's it. That's like the, that's like the number one thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like there are so many different things and, you know, they introduce the next best, ne- next best product or re- resource. And I feel like, you know, definitely just narrow it down to what works for you and your parents and don't, you don't have to try out every new thing that comes along. Right. I think the trap we fall into is that the new thing comes along, but we don't dismiss the old thing. We add it to our pile of things we're supposed Mm -hmm. to do. So the next thing you know, we're doing all the communication tools at the same time. And that's really, it's a recipe for (laughs) overwhelm. So just pick one and go with it. That's, that's the innovation. (laughs) That's the thing. So what I hear you saying is if, if paper pencil in a planner per se works for you, then use it. You don't have to use Seesaw app or, um, class dojo app or anything like that if if something has worked for you in the past go ahead and keep using it is that what i hear you saying that is absolutely correct because what's most important is that the communication is going out to our students families and our team and not necessarily the format to which it gets shared mm-hmm. so it's really the thing that is going to work for you that's what's most important great and then to bring it all together you know special ed teachers have paperwork. You mentioned it in the beginning. And so handling that paperwork and that documentation, such as your IEPs, can be very time consuming. So can you offer some si- some time-saving techniques or tools that special education teachers can adopt to manage these administrative tax- tasks efficiently at the beginning of the year? Yeah, the paperwork can literally kill you. Legit. I'm not even joking. <laughs> <laughs> so like this question is everything, right? Because Wow, the paperwork. But I'm going to give you the bad news first here. I don't know if I have any great techniques for making SPED less time consuming. Yeah, it is what it is, right? But how you deal with all that added stuff can be the sanity saver at the very least, right? So here's my tip. Avoid the (laughs) pileup. You've just got to make sure that you prevent things from stacking up because when it gets stacked up, that's when it becomes overwhelming and like downright depressing, right? Mm -hmm. So as you're setting up your system for the school year, Think about how you can use a one-touch approach. Um, If someone hands you something, don't set it on your desk knowing you're going to get to it later because that later pile is ugly. (laughs) Instead, 
use a one-touch system specifically by having designated spots in your classroom for different types of paperwork or tasks. That way, when somebody hands you something or something comes to your attention, you either handle it immediately or you set it in a designated spot. Um, and there's a couple of ideas on how to manage that. First is to kind of sort and prioritize. If you keep designated areas for different types of paperwork or tasks or actions in your classroom, it makes it easier for you to deal with later. And then there's the digital organization. When you get an email in, when somebody sends you a file, if you can put it where it's supposed to go right away, your inbox doesn't get out of control, right? You take care of it, you archive it or delete it or respond right away, and then you don't have to think about it and it doesn't become the overwhelm. So really think about how you can use this kind of one touch system to make the pileup less possible. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're talking to me when you talk about the inbox because <laughs> I, I'm so great with my paperwork. I'm so great with getting my desk kind of cleaned off at the end of the day and situated, but my inbox is a nightmare. And it's not that I don't reply to emails. I do. I, I keep on top of that, but I don't ever delete anything. And so if something comes in and it's not important, I don't even open it. It's just in there and I've got like 10,000 emails. So I totally respect that you said to get on top of it now because you don't want to to let it end up like mine is. I literally have like a baby panic attack when you say that. <laughs> I'm I have, like, oh no. I have friends that have, they see my phone and they'll have panic attacks. Yeah. But it it just doesn't bother me. I I dress what is important and what I need to and then the rest it just is there and I, I know I need to clean it out, but at this point it's just so overwhelming that I just can't make it happen. But I I hear you and I agree with you that it needs to be taken care of so that it doesn't ever get to that point. And that's the thing too, is you're, you're a seasoned vet. So you've been doing this for a while. You know, when emails are coming in, kind of what the priority status is on that. But when you are a new teacher or, you know, in your first three or four years in the classroom, stuff is coming into that inbox all the time. And to mm -hmm. sit down when you don't have that, that vet kind of eye for it and, and have to go through everything and come through, you definitely don't want to do it twice. Right. So if you can archive it or delete it or put it in a folder or color code it, you know, most uh, email service providers allow you to color coordinate things. Those little tiny steps that you take will make it so that when you open up your inbox, it doesn't become dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I feel like it's it's a very timely you know, a conversation that we can really hit right when teachers are getting back into the school year. So do you have a freebie or something that I can share with the listeners that can help them have something concrete to to get started? Yeah, I am so excited to share a fantastic freebie with all your listeners about these productivity hacks. It includes a couple of checklists for this one-touch organizational approach, as well as some ideas on accommodations and supports to prep ahead of time, and some links to some great articles on setting up routines and procedures in the classroom to kind of get you going in all the directions to which we have to go. So trust me, you definitely want to grab this. Even as I was making it, I was like, this is kind of awesome. What else should I do with this? <laughs> so all you have to do is visit the link at www.noodlenook.net slash SPED Prep Academy, and you will be able to access that freebie. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I will link that in the show notes so that they can just click on it and go straight to it. And then how can we find you out in social media land and learn more from you? Well, I don't do everything everywhere all at once. So you can find me most on my website at noodlenook.net. And I blog 
pretty regularly about behaviors, academics, instructional strategies, kind of all of the things. So it's a great resource if you are just starting out to kind of get in there and dig around. You can also join me on my email uh, list, and then I send you freebies and tips right to your inbox. How does that not the greatest thing, right? (laughs) If you are one of those social media people, you can also sometimes find me on Instagram at the noodle node. Yeah, I I hear you. Social media is not my cup of tea. And I just feel like I make a presence, but I don't make an impact on there. But so I'm I'm glad to find somebody else that's not tied to social media so much. Yeah, the scrolling, you know, I I always think about the other end of it, like, do I really want people sitting on their phones all the time scrolling? I'm like, better things to do, right? Better things to do. So Well, again, thank you so much for joining me. And I will make sure and link all of those things in there so we can find you. I feel like you are a a great wealth of knowledge for our listeners. And I really appreciate you being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thanks for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love it if you'd head over to spadprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.